Well, let's let's start. Can you uh, just introduce yourself on tape for us? Okay. Well, uh, my name is Tony Trento. Uh, I'm the president and uh, uh, of American Plume and Fancy Feather, and we do fancy feathers for uh, costumes and Broadway, Las Vegas carnivals in Brazil, New Orleans. So we understand that, that your company actually feathers Big Bird. Yes, we do. They came to us and they wanted to see a feather that was, you know, pretty good size and length so that it flowed a lot. Uh, this feather is called a turkey rough feather. It uh, comes off uh, one of uh, like seven classifications of different kinds of turkey feathers. They're about uh, seven to eight inches long. So Big Bird is covered in turkey feathers. Turkey feathers, yes. This feather was taking off, um, uh, strippers used to use this, in, uh, uh, and uh, they made them into boas. Um, and uh, we still sell a lot of them that way also. So, so you're saying Big Bird is covered in the same feathers used by strippers in their boas? Right. <laughs> Wow. I mean, what a, that is crazy. So not only did we learn that Big Bird is mostly a turkey, but it, he comes, he's descended from a line of strippers. Right. So how many turkeys does it take to make one Big Bird? Oh, a lot. A lot. Was it Like how many? Oh, uh, thousands. Really? Yeah, thousands. Because uh, what we do with these feathers is we collect them in turkey plants. So... So, okay, so it's the same turkeys. Like, so I could potentially, on Thanksgiving, be eating a turkey and watching Sesame Street, seeing the feathers from the very turkey I'm eating. Yes. Wow. Yeah. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Mike. And I'm Ian. On today's show, we'll tell you how to call the moon by its proper name. We'll also tell you how new colors get their names. But first, Black Friday was last week. And the biggest seller was towels. Walmart sold 2.8 million bath towels. Now, the question, of course, is how much water could you soak up with 2.8 million towels? Ed Vaughn studies this kind of stuff. Ed, can you figure this out? Well, I did a little calculation on that. And you got to understand that I made a few assumptions. And you remember what happens when you break that word assumed down into three parts. But I've, I've heard about that, yeah. <laughs> I figure if an average towel weighs about a pound, okay, be about a quarter of an inch thick, and it'd be about two thirds of a square yard. All right. And generally, towels can soak up about twice their weight in water. Okay. So, if that's the case, they'd soak up about seven hundred thousand gallons of water. Wow. Which is about enough to sop up about twenty-three home swimming pools. Twenty-three home swimming pools. Yeah, but generally a home swimming pool with about 30,000 gallons of water in each one. All right. I guess you could then wring it out somewhere else. Yeah, that would be the thing. <laughs> you, you, you could uh, flush the streets with it that way. Another interesting statistic could be that if you put them one on top of the other, they'd be about 11 miles high. Okay. <laughs> and then if you, laid them, if you laid them side by side to cover up an area, they'd cover up about 16 football fields from goalpost to goalpost. Wow. So I, I have to ask you, so this is something that this is kind of uh, this kind of thing has been your field for for decades. Is this the yes, dumbest is. question anybody's ever asked you? No, no, not really. <laughs> You've had dumber. 
Yeah, but I can't think of any of them right now. <laughs> yeah. Ed Vaughn is Professor Emeritus of Materials and Engineering at Clemson University. He's also the managing editor of the Journal of Engineered Fibers and Fabrics. One of the things we do when making this show is uh, try and find experts to help answer your questions. And and this week there was uh, someone who we wanted to talk to about a cool thing he had done. And our uh, producer, Sarah, uh, sent him an email. And we've taken uh, the response that she got back and uh, robotized it. I did not know about NPR podcasts until two hours ago. After your email, I listened to a few of them but did not like any of them. Consequently, I am not interested in having my study being discussed in such a podcast. Pantone has uh, chosen its color of the year for 2014. That color is radiant orchid. It's basically a pinkish purple. Everybody uh, that needs names for colors, paint companies, uh, clothing companies. Car companies, rainbows. They have to come up with unique names for their colors. But how do they do that? Susie Weiss-Fishman is the artistic director for OPI. They make nail polish, and they are known for uh, the names they come up with. So, Susie, how do you come up with these names? So the way we come up with the names of the colors, twice a year we have geographic location-themed collections. Okay. So each time we go to a country or a geographic location, and once I've created uh, the colors, there's six of us at OPI, six crazy people, and we sit in a room, and I present the shades, and then we just go crazy with names, and we just play on words. How, how does that work? Does, do you, like, hold up the color, like, a, I don't know, a square of pink, and then just people just shout out names? Yes, pretty much. Okay. It's a democratic process, so majority rules. So you start with a location or a geographic region. Yes. Do the names reflect that? Always. So what, what, would, what would we call a pink from your latest... Collection. So the spring election is Brazil. Brazil, obviously, is going to be very hot next year. You know, the World Cup is there. Sure. So, um, uh, for example, a hot pink is called Kiss Me, I'm um, Brazilian. Okay. There's always a color that's named after Susie. That would be me. Okay. <laughs> so where did Susie's mango? Okay. Like in mango, but in the fruit, but it's like M-A-N-G-O. Like my man went. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so... Okay, so let's say you hold up uh, a red that you're going to use in this collection. Mm-hmm. How many names are thrown out for that color before you have it? Could be several. Um, it could be the first one, and everybody loves it. Usually it takes about 8 to 10 hours to name 12 shades. Wow. France, we did um, You Don't Know Jacques, which is an extremely popular color, came from You Don't Know Jack. Wait, what color is that? It's like a grayish brown. Mm. And everybody said that it looked like poop, so that's why. Oh, I, would, I didn't want to guess brown. I didn't think you guys would do that. Thanks, Susie. So anyway, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Hi, this is Katie Kissler in New York City, and I listen to your podcast, while I'm sexing pupae, mosquito pupae, uh, you guys rock. Bye. Okay, Katie, these next 15 seconds are for you. She said sexing 
Mosquito pupae. Yeah, we should be clear. It was hard to hear. She didn't say they were. She was sexting mosquito pupae. She was identifying the gender of mosquito babies. I don't think they have enough digits to sext. So a, a few weeks back, you might you might have seen it. There was this amazing, uh, kind of exceptional full moon, and I was reading about it, and I noticed it had a specific name, like you hear blue moon or, or harvest moon. So where do these moon names come from? Sandy Duncan from the Farmer's Almanac is on the line. So Sandy, could you tell us about this, uh, the name for this recent full moon? Sure. I'm, I'm thinking you're talking about the November moon, and it's the full beaver moon. I where does that name come from? It's actually quite interesting. Um, years ago, full names actually uh, were named by Native Americans. And what they did was they named the moon based on um, certain things that they did or different gardening chores or hunting chores. And it, it just helped them keep track of time. So what was the activity that involved a beaver? Um, if you, you know, we're so far away from it, but actually November was the time to set beaver traps before the swamps froze okay. uh, to ensure that they had a supply of warm winter furs. Um, so sometimes the November full moon is also called the full frosty moon, which makes sense as well. Frosty yeah. moon, you said? Yes, oh. the frosty moon. So what, uh, what moon do we have coming next? The next moon, which will actually be on December 17th, is the full cold moon, or also known as the full long night moon. Um, and during this month, the winter can uh, pretty much uh, come into grips with the cold. The nights are long and dark. Um, it's sometimes, of course, called the moon before the Yule for obvious reasons. Um, and the term long night moon is um, also appropriate because the midwinter night is indeed very long and the moon is above the horizon for a really long time. Who, who uses these terms? Like who, who would I hear describe, you know, coming up we have a full long night's moon? You know, I don't think too many people do, but there are certain moons. I mean, like everybody's heard of the full harvest moon or the harvest moon they've heard of. Uh Um, And, you know, there's a full pink moon in April, which people probably never heard of. So I think it's based on a a traditional thing from back that dates back, as we mentioned, to the Native Americans. But people still are very fascinated. You know, it occurs to me that uh, we have a harvest moon, which is a Neil Young song, a pink Mm -hmm. moon, which is a Nick Drake song, a blue moon, a uh, song popularized by Elvis. Is there a Beaver Moon song? I'm not sure. That's a good question. I think we might have to do a little search. Yeah, or or write one. Exactly. Is there such thing as a bad moon? Because there are songs about that. I don't think so. The people say that the full moon, people do weird stuff. So I guess it depends on your experience on the full moon, whether you want to call it a bad moon or a good moon. Well, do people do weird things during a, a blue moon, which is the second full moon in a month? Well, you would think, and you know, it's interesting, we've had some stories in the past on our website in the Almanac about, you know, full moon. Is it really, does it really cause the chaos that people tend to think? Are people a little weirder and stuff? But we've had people, uh, and in fact, even my own child was born. They say that uh, women who are in their last trimester of pregnancies, um, if there's a full moon, tend to go into labor. What what was the moon that your child was born under? Actually, you know, I believe it was a full blue moon, to be honest with you, because it was March 31st, and I think that we had two two full moons that time. Have you noticed anything unusual about this child? Oh, yes, yeah, she's very unusual, but I love her dearly. <laughs> <laughs> she's not blue, thank goodness. Oh, good. Well, yeah. thank you, Sandy, for talking to us about this. Oh, sure, anytime. You know, there there really should be a uh, a beaver moon song. It's the one moon of all the moons that we know about that seems most ripe for a song. All right, so we are going to get uh, Ian Kibbe uh, to come up with one. He's also known as Rodney Belair, 
of the Chicago band The Flavor Savers. So now to complete the catalog of Moon Songs, alongside uh, Pink Moon, Harvest Moon, and Blue Moon, here it is, Beaver Moon. There's a time of year when the skies are clear, when the stars align in our hemisphere. No time to rest, no time for napping. There's a beaver here in need of trapping, a furry creature on the loose gnawing. On my oaks and gnawing on my spruce That scheming beaver is up to no good And I can't seem to keep it off of my wood Without the fire, you can't have the flame Without desire, you can't play the game Without the wind, you can't fly a kite And you can't trap a beaver without that moonlight Shining bright through the sky Show me the beaver, show me the light Gotta get that fur for my survival Just me and the beaver and the lunar cycle I know young man right Now life seems bitter When you don't know if you'll have for the winter but if you're patient if you're eager soon someday you'll be knee deep in that beaver without the fire you can't have the flame and without desire you can't play the game without the wind you can't fly a kite and you can't trap a beaver without that moonlight shining bright through the sky Show me the beaver, show me light Gotta get that fur for my survival Just me, the beaver, and the lunar cycle Oh, just me That beaver, that moon For me, the moon For me, the moon I'm gonna stash that beaver. I'm gonna grab that beaver. I'm gonna get that beaver. Hey, beaver, you're mine. You're mine. If you want more from Ian Kibbe and his band, the Flavor Savers, check them out at flavorsaversmusic.com. They're playing uh, this Saturday, December 7th, at the Metro in Chicago. I, I recommend it. Yeah, if you're in the audience, call out for Beaver Moon. That does it for this week's show. What'd you learn, Ian? I, I learned that uh, Big Bird is uh, is made out of turkey feathers. It's surprising because he's so he doesn't look like a turkey. No, he's far more elegant than the turkey, and he talks a lot more. So, what would you do if Christmas morning you opened your present and it was one of those towels from Walmart? Just one, not not the full two point eight million towels. No, just yeah, just one towel. Well, my my family we uh, every Christmas. We open presents in the jacuzzi, so it would actually oh, be, it would be wonderful. Would you try out the theory then? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, uh, the jacuzzi is in the living room by the tree, and uh, traditionally, we, after we open our presents, uh, we get out and, and air dry together as we sing carols. What carols do you sing? 
all the all the regular ones, but usually we're we're sopping wet. And uh, this year, I I at least uh, will be dry. How to Do Everything was produced this week by Sarah Geis and Toby Tobias. Technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Alex Cook. Bit better than that old Toby Tobias. Is he still here? Also, our uh, illustrator is Justin Witte, and we want to thank Ian Kibbe for uh, his musical gifts this week. Get us your questions at howto.npr.org. We are still sorting through the many wonderful submissions to our Thanksgiving travel photo contest. We'll announce the winners next week. And check out our website, howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks. Genius captor is what I'm after. I'm a genius captor, a master trapper. Shiny pelt hanging from every rafter. My house looks like a damn beaver disaster. Matter of fact and a matter of courses. Don't need your flashlights or your torches. Just gotta believe in natural forces. Tonight the moonlight reveals be the sources. You're my beef, son.